proclaiming the soon return and Savior Jesus Christ, preparing the people for the kingdom of heaven, preserving a posterity for the glory of God. Hello and welcome to another podcast episode brought to you by the Key of David and Watchman of the Wall Ministries. I'm your host, Charles, and I just want to thank you so much for deciding to listen to this podcast. Thank you for downloading it, and I hope that something you hear in the next few minutes will bless your heart and stir you to give God more of your life than you ever had before. I want to take this time to welcome my partner in ministry, Brother Scott. Brother Scott, are you okay today? I'm doing well, Brother Charles. It's good to be back on the podcast once again. I just, I don't know about you, but I live for these moments. There are wonderful times in the Lord getting instructed. I just have a wonderful time with these things, and it's my prayer. Everybody listening is having a good time and getting fed as well, as I know it's your prayer, Charles, and I hope you're doing good today as well. I am doing well, and I want to thank you for allowing me to help you with this. Like you said, this podcast touches my heart and uh, helps me to be prepared as well as it is for me to help someone else that's listening in be prepared. Uh, it blesses my heart and stirs me up when we get prepared to do one. Uh, the last one was a very good one. I hope that people listening in have took the time to listen to it. This one's going to be another good one. Scott, we're going to start a new series today. Um, we have been going through the armor of God, and we finished that series. It took several weeks. I don't believe this series is going to be as long. Of course, you know, it's up to the Lord. It's the Lord's will. We're going to obey what we hear the Holy Spirit tell us to do, but uh, maybe and possibly this this series won't be as long as the Armor of God series was. Scott, there is a moment, and I'm going to I'm going to get a little secular here for a second. There is a fabulous several movies that are out about the Lord of the Rings, and I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. Um, yes, I am a nerd on. uh, yes you are but uh the lord of the rings i like those movies but if if anyone's seen the lord of the rings the very first one uh it starts out with a woman speaking on there and she says words like the world has changed i can feel it in the air i can sense it in the water i can you know it she talks about how everything has changed and then she says But those that are alive today do not realize how much it's changed because none are alive that remember it or remember the way the world used to be. And Scott, if if I could say that there is a secular example about what we're going to talk about on this particular podcast tonight, it would be that because I don't believe anyone that I have talked to recently has denied the fact that the world has changed and even even people that are not born again will tell you that they feel a change in the world the way people are the way they think the way they act the way they react to one another you can even feel the change in the world in the air we breathe the food we eat everything is different than it used to be i i when i imagine scott Years ago when I was young and how the world was, and, you know, and I I mean, I'm older now, but I'm not so old as to talk like I'm 
a hundred years old, but it's so much more different now than it was back when I was a child. And I believe you would agree with that statement. No, oh, yes, I would agree with that. At the risk of uh, possibly sounding to the listener like that old man on the porch hollering, get off my lawn. I'm not trying to be that way. Uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, I believe you're quoting from the elf princess in that movie. And she was talking about how even the taste and the smell and the feel of the air had changed. And she was alluding to the fact that Sauron or the evil in that storyline was growing, was, was becoming stronger, was, was back. And I couldn't put it any better than what she said, what you just quoted. You, you can feel, and we're not talking specifically Charles about, the COVID issue that came up or the political landscape or the BLM movement. We're not specifically talking about those things. They're part and parcel, but we're talking about just the very backdrop of, of life as it is. You can, you just got that gnawing. You just know something's changed. So yeah, I would agree with you 100%. And you know, it, like you said, the change is there for all to realize even more so if you're a born-again believer, you feel the change. But there's another feeling that's going on, Scott, right along with that, that the world has changed, is that we're headed towards some event. There is something going to happen, and nobody can quite put their finger on it. You know, I've heard eschatology preachers preach about the end times, and some of them will even predict or prophesy what might happen in the near future. But they, you cannot deny, and anyone I talk to, whether they be born again or not, they feel like the world is headed towards some event, some destination, something that's going to happen that's going to change everything. And Scott, you know, for a believer, that would be the return of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For those who don't believe in Christianity, I don't really know what they expect to happen. But not only is there a feeling that the world has changed and there is a change in the air and in the water and in the food, but there is this feeling that we are headed toward an event that's going to change the very fabric of humanity on a global level. Would you agree with that as well? Absolutely. I would agree with that as well for the world, like you said, and you know, I get the chance to talk to, secular people at my workplace and also people who go to church and and for the people that are not believers shall we say charles they they know something's went sour and they know stuff is going south and and they just they don't have a a clue what to do except just hang on with the means that they have you know whether it be physical violence or you know the the means that they have at their disposal to try to stay alive is all that they know to do and they don't they don't really have any hope for the believer like you said we know that this thing is lining up for the return of our lord he said he was going to come back and charles whatever he promises whatever he declares it's going to come to pass if it splits heaven and hell wide open to do it because nothing comes back to him void when he proclaims something and he's coming he's on his way and we know this so that's kind of why we're doing what we're doing tonight if i can allude to that right uh we are going to start a new series now scott every year the president of the united states whoever it is uh 
he stands up, he or she, and they do a speech to the nation, sort of like, uh, like the pulse of the nation. Where is the nation at at this present time economically? Where are they at socially? Where are they at on a legislative level? And they talk about where the nation is, where it's headed, and what their what their goal is for the future. And it's called a State of the Union address. We'll be having one of those State of the Union addresses come New Year, um, and uh, it'll be the president that's elected this year that'll be given that State of the Union address. But Scott, we have come up with a series that we're doing tonight. Uh, called the State of the Heart Address. And what we wanted to do was talk about the state of the heart of the world as well as the as the Church of Jesus Christ. We're going to focus on the world first, but this is more or less mimicking that State of the Union Address. We're going to give an address about where we feel that the state of the heart of man is right now because, Scott, if there is anything that is the absolute last factor that God has in his equation for when he makes a, a global move or a global change. It's the state of the heart of man. There might be a lot of things going on in nature. There might be a lot of things going on in the world. There might be wars and rumor of wars and, and pestilences and earthquakes and things that the Lord himself prophesied and I believe we're probably going to read those scriptures here in just a, a bit but if there was anything that would actually define God's timetable it would be the state of the heart of man especially the state of the heart of Israel amen amen we were talking along these lines off mic earlier about this and and one of the reasons that i love this podcast one of the many and one of the reasons i encourage people to listen to this podcast it's it's not because it's me on it or, or because of you charles although i love you and the lord it's it's not that it's the fact that this podcast is different than all the others that i hear and listen to out there because all those other podcasts focus on what you just said, they focus on events and, and they solely stay there on, on the earthquakes, on the pestilences, on the, the uh, list that's in Matthew 24. And I'm sure we'll get to there at some point in this podcast. But what I like about what we're doing in this state of the heart address is if you research the scriptures, Charles, and I hope I'm not pulling the, the lid off of this too quick. But if, if you read the scriptures, like you just said, it's it's not so much the event it's what's preceding it it's what's going on in the human heart that triggers an action from god if you're looking at the event and i'm, I'm afraid charles if i can say it this way and you tell me if you agree with it but i'm afraid if you're trying to look for an event you've done waited too late you done missed the train it's it's done passed you up it's it's the condition of the heart that is the the problem and the issue and the real sign would you would you agree with that I would, and you know, when I, we were talking earlier about the change that everyone feels, that something is changed, and you can feel it in the air that you breathe, in the water you drink, the food you eat, and in every person and how they treat one another, 
I believe that the biggest change of all, what people are actually feeling, is the change of the state of the heart of man. They may not be able to put their finger on why they feel there's a change, but I believe if we do our job right on this podcast, we're going to be saying that the reason that people feel like the world has changed is because it's not the world changing as much as it is the heart of men that has changed. And that's what's causing this overwhelming feeling that people have that the world is no longer the same as it used to be. Now, Scott, we've said it so many times. I think we might as well go ahead and read it. Uh, But Matthew 24, uh, very familiar scriptures to a lot of people. It talks about the end times talks about the disciples and their curiosity and everyone has this curiosity about the end of the world when it's all going to wrap up what's going to look like and so in Matthew 24 and I'm going to start at verse 3 I'm going to read a few of the scriptures that we've been talking about where Jesus was telling them exactly what to look for to show them that they are at the end of the age and uh, Matthew 24 verse 3 says And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. It says, Then you shall be delivered up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, these are the scriptures that we were mentioning about all the events that would be happening for the naked eye to see. The wars, the rumor of wars, the famines, the pestilences, the earthquake. And Scott, we could sit there and confirm everything that Jesus said. You know, there are, you know, we got, we're dealing with COVID 19 on a global scale now. Uh, there are diseases coming back that have been, we thought, eradicated for, for good and they're starting to make their appearance again. There have been more earthquakes since the year 2000 until now than there has been in the history of mankind combined. Uh, there's all, there's so many wars going on around the world right now that something, it's definitely going to trigger, you know, it's been a while since we've had a world war, but I see that sooner or later, all these wars that are going on are going to generate another world war. And I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime, but we shall see. But all these outward signs are, are going on even as we speak. And we can sit here and, and statistically prove that each and every one of these are happening as we speak, but that's not what we are wanting to focus on tonight. Amen. Amen. Ever since I have read this passage of scripture, I guess this is the best way that I can set it up for you. If you'll let me, 
is, you know, just as you said, the, the earthquakes are on the rise. Um, we've had more this year than, than ever. Pestilences. My gosh, do we really have to go there? You know, with, with the COVID thing that's, that's happened and the fear. And Charles, not only is COVID running around, but I think I read a statistic that said there's 28 known deadly diseases <laughs> beside the COVID-19 that are running around right now that'll kill you just as dead as COVID. So we've never seen a time like that before. But do you do you not find it? And and this just leaped out at me uh, one of the times that I read that, that you've got this world stage set up with earthquakes, famines, famines. They say that out of the population of 7 billion people that are on this planet right now, Charles, another, I think they said uh, 500 million people are in a position where they're, they don't know if they're going to be able to eat tomorrow or not. 500 million people. The most that uh, I'm, I know these stats are bigger than any time on the face of this earth. But do you not find it strange that in the midst of those world stage events, famines, earthquakes, pestilences, all these things going on, that he sticks that verse that you just read right there, verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many yeah. shall wax cold. Now, now to me, that is the big neon flashing sign. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Of all those things that are going on today, the wars and the rumors of wars, the famines that's going to starve, you know, they're like you said, 500 million people on the verge of starvation, uh, more diseases that are spread across the globe now than probably have ever been before. And all these things you would b believe or you would think would pull humanity together to work together to eradicate these problems. But what the one thing that's going on is exactly what he said. The love of many will wax cold at the same time that all these problems are going on on a global scale that you would think would pull us together as one group. The condition of the heart of man has made us isolate each other till we are standing in our own little world. that's only four by four maybe four feet wide, maybe four feet high and four feet long. We live in these little boxes, Scott. Yeah. And these boxes are only concerned about ourselves. And this is not just the world we're talking about. We're talking about the Christian believer. Yep. It's harder to get people to support causes now, to donate money, to give to good causes, to give money to good organizations that are reaching out and trying to make a difference. Scott, I can't tell you how many commercials I see on a constant basis of people begging, begging the community, begging humanity, give so that we can feed the hungry, give so that we can save the animals, give so that we can help support the warriors who were injured in the wars, give so that we can help kids who have been born with cancer. And they're begging for money all the time, and I'm like, you would think with all the problems that we're facing in the world today, we would pull together to eradicate these problems. I mean, 500 million people hungry tomorrow, that should stir our hearts to do something about hunger. But we are so worried about ourselves and no more. We're worried about our own little worlds. The devil has he's played his flute. We've danced to his music, and we have allowed him to 
help us, to have us focus solely upon ourselves and not on anyone else around us. Amen. <laughs> you remind me of something that happened. I mean, this, this is the quintessential problem right here. I expect the world to be selfish. I expect the world to be self-centered, Charles. I expect them to act for me and my four or two or three or even one and no more. But Charles, I was a help. I, I was an interim uh, minister for this church. I'm not, I won't name the name because you would probably know, but I was an interim pastor for a while while they tried to figure out where they were going to go with another pastor. We were having a business meeting one night, Charles, and I asked the question. I said, how are we doing with the church as far as finance goes? How are, how are we physically okay? Are we okay? Yeah. Yeah. We've got, we've got money sitting in the bank and the pantry's full. And it just, it just, it just hit me, Charles. I mean, the rest of them are sitting there with smiles on their face, but I, I, it just hit me with, with, with sorrow. And I said, do y'all not know what to do with, with that extra money and, and, and the pantry full? I was right out here on the street corner sits about three or four people that are starving to death, wondering if they're going to make it tomorrow or if they're going to die from starvation. And here we sit with a full pantry and you don't know what to do with it. What, what, what do we do? What do we do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to make one day a week and we're going to empty that pantry just as fast as we can fill it. And we're going to call the whole community one big wide call. Come everyone that's hungry, everyone that needs a pair of pants, everyone that needs a little bite to eat. And we're going to fill every belly that we can fill. That's what we're going to do. And that is the problem today. That's the problem with the church world. I'm not saying every church. I'm not condemning every church. But for the majority, Charles, that's the problem. It's, boy, is our belly full. Boy, is our church finances okay. If we got enough to, to uh, blanket the parking lot with new asphalt, then we're good to go. And we don't even know we're poor, wretched, blind, and naked. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but that's that's where we're at. That's okay. I, you're exactly and absolutely right. Even the way that the church world treats each other has changed. Now, I know that we said we were going to focus more on the world today than we did the church. <laughs> but, these, but these are all signs of the state of the heart about what happened to humanity, what's happened to mankind, both to the world's heart and to the believer's heart. And it lulled us to a sleep, Scott. We've been lulled to a sleep where we don't worry about people anymore. Now, Jesus... Jesus described this problem in a different way. And this comes out of Luke 17. And I don't know, do you have those scriptures pulled up? Luke 17, chapter, uh, verse 22 through, uh, through, um, through the 30. Sorry. Will you give me those scriptures again? You kind of cut out on me. I apologize. That's okay. Look, I, I was I was thinking that it would be a good time to allow the Lord Jesus to describe the way that he saw the hearts of men and how they would be at the end of time in the book of Luke chapter 17. Yes, sir. And it's verses 22 through 30. And if you would read those for us. Yes, sir. Luke chapter 17, verse starting at verse 22. And he said unto the disciples, the days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here, or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. 
For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall the Son of Man be in his day. But the first must, must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they Ooh. sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Mm -mm -mm. Jesus said before the day of the Son of Man or the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it said that the world would be in the same shape as they were in the days of Noah and as in the days of Lot. Now, Scott, I believe with all my heart that verse 26, when Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be the coming of the Son of Man. And then in 28, when he said, as in the days of Lot, I believe Noah represented the state of the heart of the world and the days of Lot represent the state of the heart of the church. So that's why we were going to talk about the day, you know, the days of Noah or the state of the heart of the world first. And, you know, everybody knows this familiar story about the flood of Noah, how Noah was told by God that he was going to destroy the world with a flood and to build an ark and to get animals to come to the ark and to save the animals and to save him and his sons and his son's wife. There were eight people that entered the ark. And we all know this story, but that's not the, the, the arc story is not the more important part of the story that I want to focus on, Scott. What I believe we need to focus on is the days prior to the flood where God decided enough is enough. I'm going to destroy man from off the face of the earth and I'm going to start over with Noah because something, Scott, we have a God that has long suffering. We have a God that's very merciful. Right now, there are things going on in the world, Scott, that if you knew about them and you had the power that God has, this this world would be a pile of ashes floating in outer space. I agree 100%. I know that, I know that if I had the power that God did and I saw what God was seeing, that I would already have blown this earth out of its orbit and sent it into a flaming heap into the sun itself. The reason that God doesn't do that is because not only does he have absolute power, Scott, but he has absolute love and absolute mercy as well. And he allows a lot of things to go on that nobody in humanity would simply because he loves and wants everyone to make it home to be with him. But Scott, there was a, there was a time that came prior to the flood and Noah where God saw the hearts of man and made a decision that man's heart was in such a state that he would no longer be able to hold back judgment. And it said that he even repented of making man. I mean, as a matter of fact, why don't we just go to that story in Genesis and read it? I've got Genesis chapter six pulled up. I'm going to read this God. And then I want you to comment on how God came to that state where he just could not stand anymore and he could not take anymore. And he decided 
that judgment was the only alternative that he had left. And I'm in Genesis chapter 6, and I'm going to start at verse 1. And it came to pass that when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in those in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children of them, the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown. Listen to this. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God he found grace. Well, Charles, I mean, the key to this whole passage and what we're talking about in keeping with the state of the heart address, I mean, your key is is right there in verse 5, as you full well know. And God saw, looking down, because <laughs> uh, a couple of thousand years have passed now, roughly around in that area, and, and man had got to the point now in verse 5, and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Now, now listen, every word counts right here. Listen to this, listener. And that, let me start over. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That means that it came to the point, Charles, to me, that man had progressed to the point that he was just so wicked that every thought in his brain was a continual mess of sinful wickedness and and not an ounce there of love, of godly love toward another human being, of help, of anything. Man had become the ultimate self-centeredness, the ultimate part of your dream. And and I think we've arrived here, Charles. I think we're we're getting here. Just today, we've got one of our uh, people running for president, I'll just go ahead and name him, uh, and, and I hope you don't get mad at me, but, I mean, his name's attached to it. But Joe Biden, Charles, today said he would pass, and he endorses, legislation that will let an eight-year-old child uh, determine his gender, what he wants to be. If he wants to be a man, a woman, an it, or whatever, an eight-year-old has the ability to do that. That's Joe Biden. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Charles, they've got legislation trying right now as we speak being passed in California that will abolish the term pedophilia. It will abolish the term pedophilia, and you can have sex with underage kids if you so desire in the state of California if they get this legislation fully passed. Time would not permit me to tell the wickedness that is going on in this world right now, Charles. I think we were bribed here. Would you agree? Absolutely. And like I said before, did you notice what he said? He said, I will destroy all of the man from the face of the earth, both man and beast. And it said, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. So 
even man had got to a state where he had polluted even everything that was alive. The animals of the yep. field, the birds of the air, everything had been polluted to a point where God was going to have to destroy it all and start all over again. And Scott, it scares me that we, you know, the world believes that we are evolved, that we evolved from, you know, pl- protoplasm in some great cesspool back a hundred million years ago. And they think that we're evolving still and that we are changing into a more and more advanced human. That's not what the Bible says. And that's not what statistics say. The Bible and statistics say that we're getting more and more evil. We're getting more and more degraded. We're just going down a path where we, like you said, we, can you imagine people not calling pedophilia what it is anymore? Can you imagine that people are not calling sin, sin, and they are trying to make everything legal. And and just because it's legal doesn't mean that it's right. And just because it's legal doesn't mean that it's moral. And, uh, but the world wants it's, it wants to live in darkness. The Bible says in John chapter one, that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And uh, the hearts of men are being corrupted even more and more as we speak. And uh, in Second Timothy chapter 3, it talks about the hearts of men and what they would become in the last days. And this is Paul writing to Timothy and said, But know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of them own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more more than lovers of God. Now, Scott, that's that's the way that the Holy Spirit describes the heart of men. And, Scott, if you ask me, that was a list of exactly what we are experiencing today in this world. You know, you can hear the people, uh, and and I've had this thrown at me, possibly you too, in times past. That when you begin to talk about this, we're we're dabbling in eschatology. We're talking about in times. We're beginning to talk about the signs and and the things that are re- really needful to look for. And you get the people coming back at you with, you know, this has been carrying on since day one. What makes this so much different, preacher man, than than you know what you're saying today, Charles? There were times that we had pockets. I'm, I'm not going really far back. Fifty hundred years ago, we had pockets of problems, you know. But the the thing that matches this up with Noah, and technology has helped this. It's accelerated it to a degree. My Lord, it's a filth that is at our fingertips anymore. It's it's unbelievable. Who would have ever imagined forty years ago that at your fingertips you can have all the pornography you ever desired yeah. in two clicks? Yeah, you know, and and. 15 years ago, Charles, the, the talk of gay marriage being legal was just unheard of. That'll never happen. And look how de- desensitized we are now. Charles, it's worldwide, just like it was in Noah. This is not pockets of problems, pockets of resistance. This is on a worldwide scale. That's what makes this time just a little bit different. One of the things, one of the things. And there's never been a, there's never been a time in the history of mankind where men and women have been 
become so selfish. They are so yep. selfish. All they want is what they want, and they will run over whoever they need to. They will step over whoever they need to to accomplish their own goals. Like AKA the toilet paper rush. Yep. Right. And they'll fight over the last present. You know, I, I'm sure that this Christmas we're going to see fights over toys uh, that won't matter to a kid two weeks after Christmas is over. And, uh, it's, it says right here in this list of words that I read out of Second Timothy chapter 3, without natural affection. Scott, there used to be a natural respect for human beings one to another. There used to be a time where people were courteous to one another, respectful of one another. And now that's even gone. I remember when I was young, how I would drive down the road and I could throw my hand up and wave at anyone else that was passing me and they'd wave back. Now, if you try to wave at somebody on the road, they look at you like you're crazy. Like they, like, <laughs> I don't know who you are. Why are you waving at me? What do you want? What are you setting up? They think you're out to get something. Scott, we live in a time and hour that has never been before. And it's only going to get worse from this point on until the Lord comes back. And this is the kind of behavior that God saw happening in the days of Noah that caused him to throw up his hands, Scott, and say, enough is enough. Man's hearts are unresponsive. Man's hearts are unrelenting. Man's hearts are unrepentant. They've got to a place where they no longer feel bad about what they're doing. There's no conscious. There's no sorry, Lord, for what we're doing. You know, it's one thing to do something wrong and be sorry about it. But to just do something wrong and not worry about it, you're thumbing your nose at God's face. And you're saying, God, why don't you try to do something about it? We have shows on TV, Scott, number one shows that fragrantly blaspheme God and make fun of Christianity and throw throw Jesus Christ down at every chance they get. And these are number one shows. Scott, we have a world that has been deadened to respect, deadened to just remember when people used to talk about pastors and preachers and reverends and and hushed, respected tones. They don't do that anymore. Oh, yeah. Scott, oh, this yeah. is the kind of behavior. I remember. This is the kind of behavior that God saw happening in the days of Noah. And it reached the point where God said that all a man's heart had in it was evil continually. And all his imagination was only thoughts of evil continually and wickedness. And he had to send judgment. Scott, I believe we are I believe almost at the apex of what the days of Noah were like. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. I, I was sitting there listening to you talk about the way things used to be. And, you know, I remember, and this has not been too long ago. I won't tell my age, but this has not been too awful long ago. Charles, we used to be running around. I was out in the world. I wasn't born saved uh, just as a shocker statement. And, and I was out in the world doing things I shouldn't. Charles, I remember we would be riding down the road fixing to do something that we shouldn't be doing, and the only place to pull over in a wide spot where I lived at was a church parking lot. And I said, I dare you to get in that church parking lot and do what we're about to do. We're not going to do that. There used to be a fear 
of, of like you said, there was a when a preacher walked in the room, you didn't go to church, you weren't saved, you weren't born again, but there was a hush that came in, and and there was a respect that came in, and you, you quit talking and doing the things that you did while that man was there. But now, Charles, I will make a proclamation. We have come to the point. Now, here's a shocker statement. I, I don't know if many people believe this, but we've come to the point now in men's condition of men and women's hearts and even children's. It's even affecting the children. We've come to the point now that if Billy Graham was to step out and you remember the days, Charles, I remember when he would have a primetime eight o'clock spot yep. on CBS television yep. to deliver his message. Yep. Everything would stop. So CBS, I didn't get to watch my A-team. I didn't get to watch my Tales of the Gold Monkey. Everything <laughs> would stop. Yep. And then here would come Billy Graham. And I'm like, oh, the, gosh, here's that guy that throws conviction on me. I can't stand listening to him. Dad, turn the channel. No, son, we're going to sit here and listen to it. And, and they would have an 8 o'clock spot. Now, Charles, if Billy Graham stood up on stage, I bet you he couldn't fill a stadium like he used to do that was 30 years ago because times have changed and people have changed. And that's why Charles, I'm weary. I'm going to make, a, I'm going to make another proclamation here and I hope y'all don't get mad at me. I'm not trying to make you mad, but I'm weary of ministers that are out here proclaiming this great end time revival. That's going to restore things back to the way they were. Charles, if you read your Bible, if you pray, if you get sensitive to the spirit, you're not going to get the same message. Nope. Just what you said. Things are going to continue to roll because Jesus is getting ready to return. Scott, we've said this before on this podcast, but it bears it bears uh, enough credit to say again: the darkness must increase for the Lord to return. The enemy must be given liberty for the Lord to return. I know, like you said, there are a lot of ministers out there preaching. There are a lot of organizations, a lot of churches that are proclaiming an end-time revival. What do they want to be revived to? That's what I want to know. What revival are you looking for? What type of revival? Because I'd tell you right now, the church needs re revived first before the world even is being revived. It says judgment must first begin at the house of God. And what will be the result or what will be the destiny of those who believe not the gospel? Scott, you talked about people going by a church and not, not wanting to stop in the parking lot and do something wrong or not play the rock and roll out when they drive by a church. Now they'll break into a church building and steal. Now they'll burn a church yep. down without a second thought. The, the general effect natural affection of mankind and the natural respect for God and for the things of Christianity have long been thrown away. And we are living in a time and age now where it's a fearful thing to be on fire for God. I, I do believe that we're going to come to a time where instead of revival, we're going to see great persecution against the church, great persecution yes. against those people who are truly on fire for God truly wanting to show God how much they really love him. I believe those people are going to be targeted by the enemy. I believe those people are going to be focused on by the rest of the world as hate crime people and people are, they're not intolerable and they, they should be put down or they should be 
excluded from society because all they're wanting to do is make waves and cause trouble. And Scott, we're right there at the verge of this very thing happening right before our eyes. Absolutely. Uh, You know, out of the things, excuse me, that's happened with this coronavirus. Well, I got to be careful how I say this here. But Charles, just like you said, things are going to get worse. Judgment must first begin at the house of God. And then what shall the end be of those that obey not the gospel? Mm -hmm. Think about this, Charles. This this coronavirus comes sweeping through. And all these churches that are weak, all these churches that are teetering on the gospel fence, all these churches that want to look and act like the world and yet still have one foot in heaven got shaken. Now you don't see their doors open anymore. Now you don't see them going and doing anything anymore. That's because God has come to a place that he's beginning judgment, Charles, and he's not going to have a church that's lukewarm. He's not going to have a church that I can't tell the difference between that and the Moose Lodge down the street. He's wanting one that's going to separate themselves from sin, that's going to be on fire for him, that's going to be ready and waiting for him, having their garment on spotless. For him, that's the one that's going to stand. And I, I promise you, the Lord is going to send a shaking to make sure he has a people that are that way. Scott, I know that you had looked up some statistics that you had told me about. And when we were talking off the air, um, I don't know if you have those statistics around about exactly how the world feels about Christianity. But is there any of those that you want to highlight or talk about? I do. I have them in front of me and I will go through them quickly. And, you know, you, you jump in where you feel led to jump in. But uh, this is we're talking about the state of the heart. We're talking about how the how the world feels right now and the state that they're in. Here's just a few. This is not extensive by no means. There's a lot worse statistics than this. But I just picked a handful, Charles, quickly to show us. But polled this this play, this took this poll took place. Uh, for quite a few years of polling up until 2014. Now, this poll ended in 2014. So you think about that, that it's had time to exponentially get worse than these numbers. But when polled, thousands of people just randomly polled. When they were asked, do you think sex between an unmarried man and an unmarried woman is morally acceptable or morally wrong? 69% of those polled said, sure, it's okay. There ain't nothing wrong with it. 29% said, no, it's wrong. When polled about are gay and lesbian relationships morally acceptable, 63% of those polled say it's it's okay. And that number was on the rise in 2014. 35% said, no, still wrong. And that was on the decline as of 2014. When asked, do you think getting a divorce is morally acceptable or morally wrong? 76% of those polled said there's not a thing wrong with being divorced. 20% said it's wrong. Shouldn't do it. Do you consider suicide? Listen to this. Do you consider suicide morally acceptable or morally wrong? 75% said not a thing wrong with suicide. That's the easy way out. I would encourage you taking it if you can. Only 25% of those polled said that it was wrong, Charles. If, if, if I could go into quite a few more statistics if you want me to go into it, like the Bible. Is that actually the word of God and is to be taken literally word for word? 
only 21% of those thousands polled said that, yeah, it was. Charles, it's the statistics don't lie. And was, we are in the shape. We are in the state that we're saying. Scott, this was five years ago. No, almost yes. almost six years. Yeah, about six years ago. There's no telling what they are now. And Scott, this is going to completely decline over and over until we see the Lord come back. I, again, I caution people who are listening in. They say, well, my pastor told me we're going to see a great revival before the Lord comes back. Or my mamma told me or my grandfather told me or, you know, getting to the place where they think that there's going to be a return back to the old ways. But I'm here to tell you that there is not going to be a return back to the old ways. We are looking for a rescue at this point. I'm Scott, like you said, you were grieved. And I'm grieved at the state of the world and what it's in. People are not responding to the gospel. People are not sorry for their sins. People do not any longer feel guilty for what they're doing wrong. Matter of fact, it's almost applauded on a lot of the shows on television now. The worse the yes. person, the better hero they become. And this is the world that we're living in today. And Scott, like in chapter six where he threw up his hands and he said enough's enough i'm going to destroy man from off the face of the earth but thank god noah found grace in the eyes of the lord and god took the time praise the lord scott are you still there i'm still here brother What's the last thing that you heard me say? I heard you say, and, and you, you were talking about uh, taking the time to repent somewhere in that area right there, and then I lost you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are experiencing technical difficulties, but praise God, we will overcome. The enemy does not like this message, Scott. He does no. not want this message to go forward because we are exposing him. We are exposing his tricks. We're telling the truth to the world. But God got to a place where the final thing, Scott, that that God was looking at when he decided to judge the world was the state of the heart, man's unrepentance, man's ability not to feel sorry for what he did any longer. And I believe we have reached that point or we are quickly reaching that point once again. Amen. Absolutely. There is precedent in the Bible for what we were saying. And, and again, I I take notice and, and listener i would if i were you i would take notice to any preacher even the one behind your pulpit on sunday morning that anybody that's telling you that uh you know this great reviving is going to happen we need a reviving but it's not what they're saying and 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 god is trying to send a reviving charles to his people but it's not the reviving like they're trying to preach a, a, a reestablishment of the way things were 40 years ago. That's not the way we're headed. And there's precedent, Charles, in the Bible, not just Noah. <clears throat> Every time that the man's heart had got to the place where it was evil continually, God moved on judgment. Let's, let's look, we can go on farther. We can go on with Lot's day. We, we can go on with uh, precedent with the, the uh, children of Israel in the book of Judges, chapter 20, when the thoughts of every man heart was evil and they only did that which was right in their own eyes continually god moved on judgment and charles 
This is what we're trying to warn the people. The devil would love to lull you into sleep praying for something that's not going to happen. He would like to lull you into sleep to listen to a preacher to tell you everything's okay. Don't worry about it. But please, listener, listen to what we're saying because the devil doesn't like what we're saying. And that's we have got to get ready like the five wise virgins because we mm. are coming to the end of this thing. Charles, we've got to make sure that we've got enough crews. I wish we had time to talk about that. I know we're coming up on the end. But we've got to make sure that we've got enough crews of oil. We've got enough oil in our vessel to make it to the bridegroom. That's what this is all about. This is the last race. This is it. This is the last quarter mile, I believe, with all my heart, Charles. We're sprinting toward the finish line as we speak. It's about to wrap up. The heavens are about to roll up like a scroll, and the Son of God is about to stick his nail-scarred foot back out again and claim what is rightfully his. Charles, we better make sure that we are his before he steps his foot out. And, and I feel like no. getting loud. I'm going to come back down here. It's okay. I feel it too. I feel the exact same thing you're feeling. I believe that people need to realize what day and hour we live in. Scott, it took approximately 2,000 years between the time that Adam was on this earth until the flood of Noah. And then from the flood of Noah till the time that Jesus was born was approximately 2,000 years. And now since Jesus was ascended into heaven and made the promise that he was going to return again, it's been approximately 2,000 years. Yes. Man's heart has a shelf life. And that shelf life is approximately 2,000 years. And we are quickly coming upon that shelf life once again. And just like Scott feels, I feel that urgency to say, listener, don't for one minute forget what day and hour we live in. And I caution you. Yes, I love to hear the, the preaching about revival coming. I hope it's true. I pray that it's true. I pray for God to send a revival to wake up the hearts of the world again, back to repentance, back to feeling sorry for their sin, back to a respect for the things of God and calling on the name of God again. But from what I've read, Scott, from what the Bible says and the what the day and hour that we live in is and all the signs of the time that we're seeing, we're not going to see a return back to the good old days. What we're going to do is see a return. OK, it'll be a return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. And I want my heart to be at a place where I still am sensitive to his word. I want my heart to be at a place where I'm still sensitive enough to hear his voice when he calls. I want my heart to be at a place where I can still be stirred in my heart by the Holy Spirit to call out upon the name of the Lord and be transformed into the into the image of Jesus Christ. And Scott, that's the danger we're living in. The mm-hmm. danger of, of not fighting back this tide of the enemy that he has rolled upon this earth. The earth has a darkness, a gross darkness on it. And that gross darkness has lulled the world to sleep. They no longer respect God. They no longer fear God. And God's going to have to do something to bring that fear back to them again. But before he does that, he's going to rescue those who still have a heart for him. He's going to rescue those who still 
have the ability to hear his voice and to say, I will answer when my Lord calls. He said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. Scott, we're cr- we are so close to the time where he calls those people who are still sensitive enough in their heart to hear his voice to come up higher and we're going to come up higher but woe be unto those who are still here after he does that mm. woe unto those who are still here Lord when Jesus. Noah entered that ark mm. Scott remember what happened Yep. the day that Noah entered the ark it said that God himself shut the door mm. and the reason, the reason being is because Scott I believe with all my heart Noah would have opened that door and saved more people if he was able to. Yeah. If yeah. Noah were allowed, he would have opened that door because he probably had friends. He had neighbors. He had people he knew all his life that were out on the other side when the rain began to fall. But Scott, God said, you did not listen when I called. Noah preached for over a hundred years to repent and you didn't listen. And now that the rain has fallen, you want to run into the ark and God said, mm. no, that's not going to happen. And Scott, God would not allow them to be saved. And there's coming a time, Scott, where people are going to want to cry out for God and he's not going to listen. Yeah, They're going to cry it. out for God to save them. And God's going to laugh at their calamity. According to Psalm chapter two, God's going to laugh at them because he's given them the chance right now. Through people like Scott and myself, people that are preaching this word about getting ready, about realizing where your heart is, about taking inventory of yourself and taking in and, and looking at yourself and asking those hard questions. Do I still have a sensitive heart to God? Do I still feel his spirit? Do I still hear his voice? Do I still know when my God is speaking to me? Am I still sensitive to that word of God? Does it still thrill my heart to read his word? Do Mm. I still have a desire to get closer to him every day? And they answer that call. And that right now, the time to do that is now. Because if you wait, you'll be like the foolish virgin, Scott. The foolish virgin waited until it was too late. And when they try to get in, the master of the house, the, the groom said, depart from me. I do not even know who you are. Lord help us. Those are chilling words. Are they not? Those are chilling words. Depart from me. I never knew you, but master, we did all these things in your name. We cast right. out devils. We've done all these things. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. Let me translate that. Charles, help me with this. I never knew you intimately. We never had a relationship. You were like the oh. seven sons of Sceva, Pastor. You were going out there using my name to benefit your ministry, to grow your church, to put new asphalt on your on your parking lot so you can have oh. a bigger ministry on Facebook, but you never took time to talk to me. You never took time to deal with that little pet sin that you kept hid from everybody else. But I knew, says the Lord, you never took time to take care of that and pack your bags and get ready. And Charles, just like you said, this is not the time to relax. This is not the time to kick back and go, I'm just going to cruise my way into heaven. There are things coming upon the face of this earth that if, and and the Bible speaks of this, Charles, it says, I'm going to send a shaking. I got to go back to this a minute. I'm going to send a shaking and it will shake everything. Only that which cannot be shaken will remain. The Bible teaches. And Charles, here's, here's the glory. Here's the benefit. (laughs) 
I was singing this song before we got on the air. I don't know if you ever heard it, but it's called Under Control. Under Control. He's got it all under control by his mighty hand. Oh, don't be afraid. The, the gospel writer quote, and I've got to hold it together for just one more minute, and I'm going to hand it off to you. But see, here's the glory of what we're saying. For you, child of God, that is not going to let yourself be caught aware. Look at Noah. Look at Noah. <laughs> Noah would go out every day, Charles, and Noah would sacrifice. He'd say, peradventure, my kids have done something ungodly. And he would rise up early in the morning, and he would talk to his Lord. Charles, he wasn't caught unaware. Because he kept an intimate relationship, he was in the position when God said, go build an ark. This is your only way out. I am going to destroy everything on the face of this earth. But you, I have found gracious in my sight. You have found grace. And for Charles, there's a promise. For those of us who are going to bow a knee, who are going to turn off Netflix, who will shut the phone down for 10 minutes, and who will get on their knees and get by themselves and call on a merciful, loving, wonderful Savior, you will be positioned in the place to be ready. That's a promise. But they've got to do what we're saying. Amen, amen, amen. Listener, I want you to hear me with your good ear. And then I'm going to have Scott pray for us. Listener. It says that when God decided, he said, I will destroy mankind from off the face of the earth and all creeping things and all fowls of the air. And God made that decision. And then it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Listener. I pray that you find grace in the eyes of the Lord. I pray that I find grace, that Scott finds grace in the eyes of the Lord, that just like Scott, we have to have an intimate relationship. There is a church in the book of Revelations called Ephesus, and Jesus was speaking to that church in Ephesus. It's the very first letter that he wrote to the church. He wrote to the book uh, to the church of Ephesus. And he said, I have somewhat against thee. You have left your first love. And I believe with all my heart, if we're not careful, listener, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, the darkness that is spread over the earth and over the world that has got the state of the heart of the humanity in the shape that it's in will slowly creep in our hearts if we're not careful. And we will leave our first love, that that love you had for Jesus when you first got born again, that excitement you felt when you first went to church, that love that you had for Jesus when he first brought new life to your heart. And I want to say you need to cultivate that. You need to revive that. You can have a revival. You don't have to wait for a global revival to fall. You don't have to wait for a revival to come sweeping through your town on the hills of another man. Yes. You can have a one man revival, a one woman revival with your Lord and savior right now. If you wish you can get into your prayer closet, you can get along with God and you begin to cry out. Oh God, change my heart. Oh Lord, breathe on me again. Breathe that fire that I once felt. Make it hotter than it's ever been. Burn out the chaff, burn out the living. Burn out all the impurities and make my heart solid gold for you. 
And I don't want to be caught with this darkness in my heart. I don't want to be caught with the same state of the heart that the world has. I want to find grace in your eyes, Lord. I want to be able to be a a part of that rescue effort. I want to escape the judgment that is soon and very soon going to fall upon this earth. And I'm going to have Scott pray for us right now that all of us will take that seriously and begin to cultivate that intimate relationship with Jesus and to make sure that we find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Are you listening, running on yesterday's oil? Are you running on yesterday's fumes? Let me, let me bring it to a close right here. I, I feel this creeping all over me. Somebody out there is running on yesterday's oil. You remember what God felt like when you were nine in vacation Bible school. You, you remember what it felt like the day you got saved so many odd years ago, but it's been a long time. Maybe you've drifted away from him. Maybe you got caught in something and you, you've drifted away. And this podcast has found you. And you know you're cold. You know you're empty. That doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to end that way. It's not a shameful state to be that way. It's shameful not to do anything about it. It's shameful to get caught that way when Jesus comes back. And we're going to pray right here, right now. You don't have to run on yesterday's cruise. Charles, those five wise virgins kept fresh oil in their vessels. You can have fresh oil tonight. You can have fresh oil today. Wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, whatever you may be caught in, you can have fresh oil. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Why don't you pray this prayer with me tonight? I I dare you to pray. I beg you to pray right now. Let's pray. Father, I come to you humbly tonight. God, we are totally 110% dependent on your presence, on your forgiveness, on on you, Jesus. And Lord, we, we come to you right now that, God, we've heard this word tonight that you are on your way. You're coming. The signs show it. God, the earth is rocking and reeling under the situation that it's in right now as you draw ever closer, as you draw nearer. Lord, every point in the sky now, I'm afraid, might not be a star. It might be you coming in the distance, and I might not be ready. Lord, I pray right now in, in the name of Jesus that, God, every person that's praying this prayer, in my, in my, in my, as I pray for Charles, for me, Lord, I pray that you touch us right now, that you fill our vessels. You forgive us where we've sinned. God, you set us free from the chains that we're under of depression drugs, alcohol, divorce, anything that's going on, set us free from the past chain and fill our vessels, God, once again. Let us be ready for your coming. God, it's going to be over when you come. Eternity starts. There'll be no turning back, Jesus, when you split those eastern skies. That's it for eternity. Help everyone within the sound of my voice to be ready, to not be caught. Lord, in in a shameful place, in a shameful state, with my head bowed. God, I don't want to get caught with my head bowed when you come. I want to be looking up. I want to be looking toward you. I have a desire to see you. Plant that desire in every person's heart that's listening. Wake them up, Jesus. I know I'm taking an extra long time, but wake them up, Jesus. That time is short. The clock is ticking. The doomsday clock is almost midnight. God, help us to be ready 
Forgive us where we failed you. Extend that special grace. Extend that special mercy. Light the fire again on the altar of our hearts. God, we'll give you praise. We'll give you glory for everything yeah. because you do it. In yeah. Jesus' name, we ask. God, you said if we would ask in your name, we shall receive. And we ask in your name. And amen. Oh, listener, I hope you took this prayer to heart. I know I did. I believe God is crying out for that same refreshing, that same new cruise of oil. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cry of the Watchman. Uh, every, every resource that we have available will be linked in the show notes of this podcast. You can follow us. We have a YouTube channel. We have blogs. We are out there trying our best to get people ready for the return of the Lord. It is the prayer of Key of David and the Watchman of the Wall Ministries that each and every person that hears these podcasts repents for the kingdom of heaven is at hand.